Kunz. This show is all about the people behind the science of so. biotechnology and medical devices. Through the stories of the people, I hope that Lab Rats to Unicorns is able to describe the transformative process of you know, how an idea starts in the lab and eventually becomes a life-saving treatment or a product that, that helps patients with diseases. Life, life, life-saving. Welcome to the show. I am really delighted to have two star guests to the show today from the city of Chicago, mayor's office. I'm proud to welcome my friend, Michael Fosnacht, who's the chief marketing officer for the city of Chicago. And he's also the president and CEO of World Business Chicago. Um, before this, and he'll get a chance to tell you a little bit about himself and his journey, he was the uh, head of FCB, which is a global branding, advertising, and, and marketing firm based here uh, in Chicago. Welcome, Michael. Also really excited to welcome my friend, Deputy Mayor Samir Mayakar. Um, he's uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's point man on economic development as the Deputy Mayor for Economic and Neighborhood Development for the City of Chicago. So welcome to both of you. I'm really excited for a lively conversation where we can integrate, like we always do at Lab Rats to Unicorns, the story behind commercializing science, and in this case, life sciences, a topic that's near and dear to my heart. And with that, I might first start with Samir, if you wouldn't mind just talking a little bit about your journey. You know, the fact that you started your career coming out of Northwestern's MBA program, started a company called Nanograph, commercializing battery technology. That company continues to grow and scale. I'll be really interested and intrigued, and I'm sure our listeners will as well. What brought you onto that pathway to commercialize that science in the first place? And then from there, what brought you into the mayor's office to try to help things get to the next scale here in Chicago? Well, thanks for having us on, John. And I'd say I'm very passionate about commercializing science. I think science has the potential to transform our future. It's something we all see today, you know, given the vaccines that have saved so many lives. But for me, I, I spent time working for President Obama. And while I was in the Obama administration, I became increasingly convinced that there was a long-term opportunity to use science to really tackle climate change. And so when I went back to school to get my MBA, that was my focus. I wanted to start a company in the clean tech sector. And at Northwestern, we have these amazing commercialization labs where they combine MBA students with PhDs to do exactly that with university-based IP. So I met some brilliant entrepreneurs and, and scientists, really, and I was like the business guy. And we built our company while we were students, and it's a material science technology that makes batteries last longer and charge faster. And we went on the national circuit, pitched our company, won the largest business plan competition in the world. And that's how we got our seed funding. And we chose to grow the company right here in Chicago on the south side uh, for a number of reasons, which I'd happy to be happy to get into uh, in more depth. But essentially, the talent we have, the infrastructure we have, and I think the advantages that are structural to Chicago as to why building a science-based company is such an advantage in this ecosystem. So fast forward to today, and you think about... Chicago as it currently sits, and you have really such an influential opportunity in the role that you're in. Talk a little bit about what that role is, what your mission is in taking on this ambitious agenda. But then if you could maybe talk about what was different then and why now for Chicago when you think about commercializing science. Well, I was very happy to move from my startup to serving Mayor Lightfoot because I wanted to bring that lived experience into the government. I think we need government leaders who have lived that entrepreneurial journey. And, and that's something I channel uh, with me every day in this job. 
So I, I help work with about nine departments and agencies for the mayor. And our real mission is to make sure that we have the most pro-business, pro-growth, and pro-equitable growth economy in the country. And really for that coming out of the pandemic, it means we're going to focus in certain verticals. And life sciences is one of those verticals. We think Chicago has all of the variables to be one of the leading life science ecosystems in the country and in the world. So switching gears a little bit, and now that you're touching on kind of the ecosystem and the support infrastructure needed to grow great companies that are commercializing science, because, I mean, I think we've seen Chicago continue to evolve and grow as an entrepreneurial city over the past decade. And, you know, it's really interesting to watch kind of the uptake now of the early stage ecosystem evolving with emerging science coming out of our academic institutions, the national labs, and even the broader region for that matter. Um, Michael, what do you think are the important elements that need to be in place for the ecosystem for Chicago to be able to have a sustainable and scalable environment for those types of companies? First of all, thank you, John, for having us here on your show. And hopefully your listeners know how important you are as a leader to really put Chicago on the map in the life sciences space. We will look at three kind of areas to make this life science ecosystem successful. First is you need an amazing idea. You need IP. You need an innovation. You need an invention. And that's, I think, we are very blessed with, with the strong university and research partners we have in Chicago. This is first. Second is, let's say, the hard factors. Do we have the right infrastructure, the right class A lab space? Do we have the capital? And we made tremendous progress in all of them. If you look at the VC money flowing to Chicago this year, we'll top $9 billion. If you look at the, the growth in lab space we have seen, you just saw the announcement yesterday about biolabs coming to Chicago. The third area I think we have to spend even more time on, what I call the soft factors. We have to build the culture where we put these entrepreneurs, especially academic entrepreneurs, on a pedestal. Sometimes we, I love corporate CEOs and we love to celebrate them, but I think we have to as much celebrate these entrepreneurs who take risk, who are a little bit crazy, who have a lot of passion. And that's one of my role as well as background as marketers to really put a highlight on them. These are the key factors, and I think we have done pretty well in Chicago, but we could do even so much more. Has that been a shift in your agenda as you think about just stepping back, my own journey in carving out my career as an entrepreneur in the biotech space here in Chicago, it was kind of swimming against the grain over, over many years because Chicago is so diverse in its economic outputs, as we often hear cited, you know, no one element of the economy or vertical making up more than 14 or 15 percent of the overall economy. So that balance has been served us very well. And I think my observations over time, if I look at my dad, my dad worked at Inland Steel for 38 years. That was the vision for, you know, our generation was follow your, you know, your uh, in the footsteps of your hero. And those heroes were typically kind of going to a place and working for a long time, climbing a ladder into a large corporation. That was the ambition. And, you know, I, I, my observations are the Great Recession really changed all that. It just kind of blew it to smithereens. And so oftentimes when you study innovation ecosystems, crisis is at the core of spurring this unleashing of innovative energy. And I believe that the Great Recession really has been the new Chicago fire for us. I wonder what your observations are in that regard as the shaking up kind of the old corporate mindset and maybe even from the landscape of from an economic development perspective, historically, we would have been trying to recruit, and, and certainly always will be, those large corporate 
enterprises. How has that shifted? And do we see really viable growth coming out of this emerging growth sector like life sciences or tech? I think it's a very good observation. I completely agree. It's it's two big mega trends that are happening over the last 10, 15 years. One is definitely, it's very young town moving away from just joining big companies, but also want to start a company or joining. And we at Wellbiz Chicago, we're spending at least as much focus on courting startup companies, if it's in the life science space, it's in quantum computing versus just large companies. If we look at since January 1st, we have 72 companies have moved to Chicago. Probably 10 of them, like more traditional large companies, the other 62 innovative startups or mid-sized companies. We have to give them love and attention. And I think the second mega trend is what I call diverse talent pool. Young people, talent people want to work in a diverse environment. And that's why I'm so excited about Chicago. We are poised to take this as a differentiating perspective and position versus the coast, which are more homogeneous than actually what we have to offer here in Chicago. Yeah, and, and that's a that's a great segue, Samir. If you if you think going back to your early days at Nanograph, what were some of the things that you felt were difficult? Did you face any setbacks, for example, at Nanograph? Can you talk a little bit about some of the headwinds you faced in succeeding to get to the point where Nanograph currently stands? And if you had to do it again, what are some of the gaps that now in the mayor's office you may be able to help address? Well, look, starting a science-based company is so difficult. Why is it difficult? The number of times I would have a venture capitalist tell me, well, you know what? You might need a million bucks for this piece of lab equipment to grow your company. But instead of giving you a million bucks, I could give these 10 software companies each $100,000 and one of them is absolutely going to pop and, and make me money. And so you're, you're swimming upstream just as you faced in, in your career, just raising money as an entrepreneur in the sciences, you're swimming upstream because capital isn't always patient. And whether it's life science or physical science, in terms of your, your mode of innovation, it takes an incredible amount of time to build that kind of a company. So for us at Nanograph, you know, the first hurdle we faced was getting that early money in and figuring out a place where we would work. So our early money came from us hustling around the country, winning business plan competitions, because that was the only place we could find investors. Our early money came from the government. We got an early SBIR grant, which is a federal research grant. That helped us launch the company with significant non-dilutive capital. And our first office space before we moved to the South Side was in an office building where we were contemplating like wiring venting tubes through the bathroom. <laughs> You know, and, and I think about where we are today in the ecosystem <laughs> yeah. and, and the Biolabs announcement. You know, those didn't exist when we started our company. And, and so space also matters quite a bit. So from a policy standpoint now, um, being in the mayor's office, I think the capital is a different equation today. There are more sources of capital who understand life sciences. And I think we're going to keep focusing on growing that. Chicago had the largest percentage increase of venture capital and life sciences of any city in the country last year. And we want to keep that up. Second is space. So in the building we're sitting in today and many others that are being built, they're being built in a modular way to recognize the needs of early stage science-based companies. Third is universities that increasingly understand how to commercialize technology. I think we're seeing at institutions like Northwestern, like University of Illinois, like Illinois Tech, like University of Chicago, their transfer offices are becoming more savvy in helping to really see entrepreneurs as a key solution to commercialization. Whereas before, I think they were very focused 
on licensing technology to very large companies. Yeah, agreed. That's my observation too. And I think you can go back 10 years and look at the big investments that the institutions made into, you know, the innovation arms race, if you will. And first and foremost, that has been about attracting a new phenotype of faculty, frankly, into the ecosystem. Faculty that are not only great at publishing in science, nature, and cell, but they want to start a company around their idea. And it's a key piece of the ongoing evolution of higher education's business model as it evolves. But the ecosystem is the beneficiary of this new phenotype in this marketplace. They are, call them Cambridge backable faculty, meaning they are they have ideas that are translatable into commercializable assets. And in the life sciences, we have many of those types of people. And one of the things that's changed on the local level then is that we have all these people, but what we you know have lacked that is now being addressed, as you mentioned, is some of the soft pieces, the community and the connecting of the dots that exist in you know, high-velocity innovation ecosystems, but also the hardware, the infrastructure, the equipment that you lacked as you got Nanograph up and going. But I think that there's also we're also benefiting from some macro trends. You know, almost $30 billion raised into dedicated life sciences venture funds from limited partners in the last two years, exponentially historic levels. And more of that money is looking for early stage opportunities. Chicago is an early stage town. And so the lights are coming on. And if we can now be in a position where we can benefit from a welcoming environment where we have, you know, the mayor and your team championing and welcoming this type of talent to the ecosystem, I have observed that capital will not be the barrier. It will be access to talent and talent being able to work in sophisticated environments like Portal and Biolabs and other places that have those pieces of equipment in place, not working in your in your bathtub at home, for example, uh, to, run, to run your uh, your battery startup. Well, and, but, and John, you know, and, and just to double down on that point, so while you have that $30 billion of capital, think about an institution like Northwestern. They do almost a billion dollars of sponsored research a year. And that's going to generate patents. That's going to generate other innovations that could see the light of day in the market. And what we have to do a better job of is connecting that Cambridge-backable faculty with an entrepreneurially-minded team that is willing to take the risk to go and come to Portal and start a company based on it. And Michael's team at WBC is engaging at that level to say, we want you to stay in Chicago. Because our institutions had seen too many great innovations go to the coast. Um, because the universities are going to keep churning them out. Sure. Um, and, and part of our focus is retaining them here and matching what's happening at the university with that capital ecosystem. I think and, we have to look at this. I mean, we are in Chicago. We are competing with other cities. If you're a town, you have the choice. You have a great idea. Capital, like you say, is not a growth impediment anymore. So you can go wherever you want in the world, or at least in North America. And that's why I think we in Chicago, I think, realize with the mayor as well, we have to be, like Samir said, the most business-friendly, welcoming, supportive system to make these amazing people successful. I think that is a shift, like you said before. And uh, especially when I mean, you mentioned these, what we call these entrepreneurial academics, we have to celebrate them. We have to show them what kind of heroes they are, and especially in the life sciences space, because they're building businesses and saving lives. And that will be a big focus uh, for the next couple of years. And I think Mayor Laura Lightfoot, you know, maybe travel with her to the East Coast or West Coast. These are not just trips to recruit, but also to learn. 
and we got direct feedback what we have to do better in Chicago to be that place. Yeah, and and just following on from that, just some of the points you're making around, you know, communications and celebrating and and the importance of visibility and branding for that matter. You know, growing up as an entrepreneur here in Chicago, as I said, it felt like a lonely. It, entrepreneurship is always lonely, but particularly more so in maybe an environment that is not familiar with what you're doing. And so the importance of communications and branding and being able to, as I advise entrepreneurs, raising capital is one thing, raising visibility is another. And they go hand in hand. Maybe you could just comment a little bit about, you know, some of the pieces of the recipe that you're thinking about as you brand Chicago, rebrand Chicago in a way that is opening up the door to this next generation of talent. It's a very good question. One thing is, you know, we always hear across the country, we don't have like a life science physical district. We really have, if you look at that, five, maybe six hubs. And a lot of people say, oh, that, that's not as strong as a district. My point is very different. I think that we have such a diversified hub that is still very close with each other is a huge strength. So I positioning this district model as almost old school. We are the modern way. We have more diverse, multiple hubs. Kind of a neighborhood join. approach exactly. almost. Neighborhood mm-hmm. approach, like the 50-minute mm-hmm. neighborhood. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one of the branding. The other one is we have to make our successful entrepreneurs the best brand ambassadors of Chicago. That is my number one priority because we can do mass marketing if it's not true and authentic that our existing successful people here in Chicago don't promote this, we will not be. So that is for us really the core focus to have people like you doing this podcast, talking about what's happening in Chicago, but all the challenging Samia and myself and the mayor, what else do we need to do to further elevate Chicago? Yeah, and I think being aware of the global biotech ecosystem. So in so many ways, it's connecting Chicago's local talent to the global grid, meaning we're not going to operate in isolation. Even as we grow in scale, That you'll peter out at some point if, if all you're doing is looking at it as a zero-sum game. So in so many ways, it's connecting the wormhole to Boston, to San Francisco. It's, it's being porous and it's welcoming and recognizing that there could be uh, the biotech company of the future, as I watch them grow firsthand through Pixis, for example, you know, it's a company that has been able to access capital to advance its novel cancer therapeutic platform, but their growth as they continue to go, they may have to continue to think about how they grow in multiple cities to access discrete talent pools. And so as we look at Chicago, you know, I think that is another element that we need to be thinking about too, is how we fuse into the the global grid and not act only in isolation, totally with a, a chip on our shoulder, as has been the past in many ways. There's always been kind of a lament, why aren't we this, why aren't we that? And I think what's really cool to watch right now is here's who we are, here's what we're doing, and we're collaborative, we're cooperative, and we are engaging you know, other elements of the, the global ecosystem. And, and John, I'd like to park on that for a minute because this is a story I lived. You know, My company started on the South Side, but our growth came in Japan, in Korea, in China. And I think the assets we have in Chicago are almost unparalleled in another life science ecosystem. We have you know, the second most Fortune 500 headquarters here in Chicago. We have the largest convention center in North America. So you have a lot of trade conferences happening and people passing through that can go scout your technology. We have the most connected airport in the world. And so you naturally have customers from global markets coming through your hub and it's cheaper to operate here. So I think plugging into the global ecosystem and and for companies to know that when they scout a life science tech company in Chicago, 
that it will be almost like a value and they'll be generating more value is so important and often under, misunderstood. Because at the end of the day on the coast, a lot of your money is paying for your rent. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think the money in Chicago is actually building milestones. Yeah, de-risking. Exactly. And that's what international yeah. companies increasingly, we're going to work with them so they see that. Special thanks to our sponsors, World Business Chicago. Connect with World Business Chicago, the city's economic development agency, and discover more about the city's vibrant life science ecosystem. From Chicago's global universities and research institutions to its diverse pipeline of skilled talent and vibrant neighborhoods, as well as its cutting edge lab and office space, Chicago has the fuel for your company's success. There's no better place to build a life science company than in Chicago. So, 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 so uh, Samir, you're a drummer. The drummer sets the beat. In the mayor's office, I'm sure you carry that, that role. Um, when you think about your title, playing it out, you know, you're deputy mayor for economic and neighborhood development. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of opening up access to maybe other parts of our ecosystem that maybe weren't thinking about life sciences or science commercialization as a career pathway for them? And how are you thinking about inclusion um, I know we certainly think about it at Portal, is if we're going to grow these great companies, talent is the inhibiting force. And so training, developing, inspiring, and providing access to those that maybe weren't thinking about this pathway is going to be critical for our own growth here as an ecosystem. Any comments on what the city is doing to think about that aspect? Well, you know, Michael highlighted this, and this is something the mayor deeply believes, but diversity is our superpower. It's our strength. It is a key differentiator. And in the tech ecosystem right now, what I'd say is the city colleges are increasingly building a pipeline of talent that we want to connect to great life science companies. And we have a number of developments that are going to naturally help develop talent in our neighborhoods. So one example I'll give you, a $4 billion development project called the Brownsville Lakefront. This is on the old Michael Reese site. Their anchor tenant, is Sheba Medical. This is one of the largest healthcare institutions in the world. It's based in Israel. And they're coming to the south side of Chicago to focus on health equity and to help us train a future generation of workers who can work in the life science ecosystem. So you combine that with our medical district on the west side, which is the second largest medical district in the country. You know, you have a pipeline here for very diverse talent that what we're hearing is increasingly life science companies, who might I add, are not known for diversity, you know, they have a real opportunity right. right now to change that. Absolutely. No, that's that's a great point and an, and an excellent program. And I think uh, it will be really interesting to watch the unfolding of all these developments over the course of the next decade and how it reshapes the economy of not only Chicago, but this whole region. I think it really has that type of economic might associated with it. Maybe one step further than that, and we'll wind down the conversation here as we wrap up. But Michael, we've talked a lot about the national landscape. Um, as we've mentioned, biotech and life sciences is, is a global endeavor. Any thoughts around or any efforts in place to think about how we'll partner with other cities that are not part of the United States and that at the same time are aligned on you know great innovation, great science that you know could be commercialized here? Very good question. I mean, People don't might not know we have 29 global sister cities in Chicago that unfortunately are a little bit dormant because of the pandemic. We have very aggressive plans in 2022 and beyond to reconnect with these 2029 
a sister cities, but we're also looking at some countries that we believe we need to deepen our relationship. I think on the startup scene especially, I think Israel is a huge opportunity for us. On the quantum computing side, it's probably France and Paris. So we're looking also at sector-specific, what could be the key international relationships. And I think we'll have some, some exciting announcements in 2022 that Sammy and I are working very closely on. Because like you said, we need to be stronger connected and we need as well to tell the story of Chicago much more aggressively. Because a lot of international startups and, and innovators, when they want to land in the States, they look first at the coasts and we have to change this narrative. So next year will be a critical year for that. So closing question for each of you, starting with you, Michael, what has it been like transitioning from the private sector into a public service role? What what have been the maybe surprising challenges um, that you didn't foresee and maybe some of the uh, more exciting things that you didn't anticipate? So two thoughts, because people always ask me, you had a pretty successful career in, in the private sector. So what's different on the public sector? First, I say, you know, when I was a CEO of a pretty large firm, you always think, oh, this is so complicated, it's so challenging. Working in the public sector is 10 times more complex, challenging, demanding. And I think when you work your whole life in the private sector, I think you just don't understand that. The second one, which is, I think, one of the reasons why I love working with Samir and the mayor and so many other leaders, I meet people who are so dedicated and committed, who, you know, put 24-7 into making our city, the world, a better place. And you meet fascinating people. So I, that's, I think, the, I met you, John, at this job. So I meet some amazing <laughs> no, but, people. And that's, but the importance of telling that story, again, I think the storylines can be written for us. And certainly there are challenges that every city faces, as we know. But I think the importance of telling that story, elevating the story, is critical, I think. And the, there's the cool part of what's happening in Chicago is watching it build organically in, in many ways watching it, you know, uh, rise again, um, much like it did from the Great Chicago Fire. That's, I feel like we're part of something special right now that we're observing and that we're in the midst of. And you have a key influencing role and in we, <laughs> telling is, that story. For your listeners, we all have a role to play in this. If it's a small or medium or large one, everyone can be part of this narrative. It's not just observing, watching. You can be part of this, whatever, if you're a CEO, if you're a startup entrepreneur, because you can make a difference. So, Samir, you know, you had a, a promising career path in uh, playing the drums. What made you uh, <laughs> decide to switch gears? Uh, no, seriously, though, what's been your observation transitioning from, you know, a very entrepreneurial path and now in the public sector? What have you learned that you've been able perhaps to apply some of your entrepreneurial skills to that are incremental to the, to the team at the moment? And then what, what have been some of the challenges that you didn't anticipate? Well, look, what, what does being a startup CEO teach you? You learn how to set a vision. You learn how to recruit a world-class team. And you have to be hard-charging and constantly be selling. I think those are very applicable to the public sector and, and have actually helped make me more successful in the public sector because I, I, you know, I come into this role with a clear sense as to what the mayor wants to accomplish, what we need to do. We've brought in amazing talent. We're so lucky to have people like Michael on the team. And moreover, you know, bringing an entrepreneurial mindset to government, it's fun. Now, I will say, is it a challenge? Absolutely, because there's usually a phalanx of lawyers and experts who sure. can say, well, actually, you can't quite do it that way. Um, but, you know, I'll keep pushing and maybe we get something done 50% faster than we would have otherwise. And I do view, 
you know, my startup lens as being a vital lens to the perspective I bring in this job. Yeah, no, no question about it. And thank you each. You bring great credibility, energy to the roles. And I think it is moving the needle with regards to continuing to build a more sustainable startup ecosystem here in Chicago. And I think uh, to your point, Michael, that's to everyone's benefit. Everyone can be part of that story. And uh, I feel very lucky to have partnership with each of you and, and our growing friendship. So look forward to collaborating. And I know our listeners enjoyed this conversation because it's very important to really get under the hood with who the people are that are driving innovation. In our case here, it's not only about building innovative companies, it's innovative ecosystems. And so you need both to do something at scale. And so I think that's what's special about where we are in this evolution at this point. So thank you both. Thank you, John. Thank, thank you for you. everything you're doing here. Thank you for what you do. Thanks for joining us today. It was another great episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with our guests today and were inspired the way I was. Looking forward to reconvening again in two weeks. Please visit our website at labratstounicorns.com. We welcome any of your comments, feedback, ideas. If you want me to ask certain questions of guests or you have ideas of people that we should be interviewing. That is all goodbye.